Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Calls Exchange as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going today? Uh, today? Oh, today's been fine. Mm-hmm. Today's been fine. It's been a perfectly okay day. Okay. Today's been fine. <laughs> that You sound very confident with that and not at all like like you were having to overcompensate at all. Well, no, you asked about today and today's been fine. You didn't ask about the week. How's this week been? Oh, no, the week's been terrible. I got like food poisoning or stomach oh my flu gosh. or something. Yeah. Yeah. That happened on like started Tuesday night and I was basically laid out until Wednesday evening. That's and... bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was it was a fun day. It was fun. Yeah. Um, okay. Cold sweats, hot hot flashes, inky joints. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it was not pleasant. How are you this week? You know how to party. Uh, I I'm do. better this week. Yeah. And you know what helped? What really really helped? I highly recommend it to all of our listeners. I went and I voted early. Uh huh. That was awesome. Yay! It's very exciting. Yeah, I mean, I can't vote early because Washington's a vote by mail state. Mm-hmm. So I can't vote until they give me a ballot. And ah. I can't get a ballot until they mail it to me. <laughs> so not quite yet. Not quite yet. I did get my voter guide, though, which they put out um, for each election uh, mm-hmm. today. So I have to peruse that um, before I get my ballot. Okay, well, that's something. You can request a by mail ballot uh, here, but uh, I just walked. Up, I just like went over and and voted. And there were um, I, I brought my parents to vote. I brought my dad to vote today because uh, I, I was already. I was like, but I'll go with you. You can do yours. And uh, I, I'm going to be bringing my sister at some point next week. I think um, to okay. make sure that she gets over there. But uh, a line there was a line each day that I went there. Uh, there was a person. At each of the, the little like cubbies, you know, like they have. Um, yeah. So, and apparently, they I asked. They said that the early voting is up, but that really did uh, make me feel a lot better. And now, every time I see the the lawn signs for, for mm-hmm. example, my hopefully temporary con- congressperson uh, Roskam, um, th- it just fuels me. I'm like, ah, I already voted against you. Ah. I just, I feel <laughs> triumph. I feel victory in my veins every time I see one of, uh, a lawn sign for, for, for him. So, uh, yeah, if you're not, if you're feeling down because of life, um, I, I listeners, I, I do, do consider voting early if that is an option in your state. Cause I know it made me feel better. It would have made me feel better if I was still in Georgia and could vote for Abrams, but mm-hmm. alas. Alas, alack. Yeah. And by the way, Georgia voters who are maybe listening, yeah. you yeah, can, guys. if you're one of those people waiting to have your vote, you know, ability to vote uh, instated or whatever it is, by the, where you're, you're waiting to be approved or whatever, you are allowed to vote. Um, so do still go to vote. Don't feel like you haven't heard back. So, because the way that's being reported, it's not always being responsibly reported. Even if you've not heard back yet, you are allowed to cast a ballot. So please do. Um, more on that. Uh, a few weeks from now, I will hopefully get some sleep between now and then, but I'm clearly not going to get a lot. Uh, this week in TV news, FBI and New Amsterdam got picked up for their full seasons and the resident got uh, like, a, like a full order for season two. Yep. Uh, Kidding was renewed for season two. Ozark was renewed for season three. Um, 
Did we have we heard any cancellations yet? I feel like we haven't quite yet. No, not yet. It's 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 still just a little too early. Yeah. Um, I mean, full season pickups for shows isn't surprising at this stage, mm-hmm. um, especially for something as like New Amsterdam and FBI. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. There hasn't been time for any cancellations yet. Yeah, I don't feel like there's even necessarily been a lot of buzz about shows not being good yet, which is an, yeah. un- unusual for me. Usually I'm used to, by now, everybody's like, yeah, that show's terrible. Wonder what is going to get canceled or which one's going to be first. But I haven't heard that too much this year. Maybe just I've had my head so in different bubbles that that, that particular like discussion that may be happening on TV Twitter hasn't seeped through to me yet but uh yeah we'll see well there's also the fact that it's just it's hard to know when things are going to get canceled now Mm -hmm. just because the metrics are all over the place and really scattered so guessing when something's going to get canceled at this point is kind of a big type of answer (laughs) indeed indeed and do you never know when netflix is gonna renew your show after it's been canceled so yeah you know it's a different world, but uh, this week in a lieu of a DVD shelf or season spotlight, we're going to dive in with the Doctor Who premiere. Very exciting. The first story for the 13th Doctor and uh, kind of a to be continued, sort of, sort of not. Um, yeah. So we're going to dive in with that at the end of the show. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, do you want to tease the listeners at all? I mean, I'm really worried about what's going to happen. I'm really concerned about how they're going to get rescued at the end of that cliffhanger. Like, I have concerns, Kate. They should all technically already be dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be... Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll talk about it. But uh, I'm certainly looking forward to that conversation. But for now, uh, let's go to our weekend TV. So we're going to listen to some music and uh, take a break and, and be back with our weekend comedy right after this. Kind would look and repentance of your every lurid sin. Running carefully as you please, tits and willies to the breeze, indulging every hedonistic whim. Would you be happier? Maybe yes, but heavens, what a mess as you lie, cheat, scam, and screw. That's why I'm here to steer you right and to shine a naked light on all the horrid things you do and fill you with shame, shame. Make it life just a little bit alive. A healthy dose of sweet self-loathing shines. This one is embarrassed that his balls have yet to drop. And this one is a scheming little pearl. This one's going Betty because she split up mum and daddy and it's a punishment she's certain she deserves. Let's see, this one's a bit wetter and that one's a dry umper and this one is a lowly little queer. This week in comedy, Noel's going to talk a bit about Big Mouth Season 2. They'll both talk about the Speechless and Fresh Off the Boat premieres, L-O-N London Part 1 and Fresh Off the RV. Um, and it's sort of like the, the relaunch of TGIF on ABC. Then we'll talk a bit about the Venture Brothers Season 7 finale, the Sapphix Protocol. Um, Noel's going to talk about Murphy Brown, hashtag Murphy 2. And then we'll round things out with The Good Place, The Snowplow. So first up is Big Mouth Season 2, which I have not gotten around to yet. I intended to today, and then I took a nap, which was good until I overslept listeners, and Noel's very patient. Um, so, should I have watched Big Mouth Season 2 instead of taking a nap? What, have, what did you think of this season? Kate, you should always take naps. Naps are way <laughs> naps above... Naps are awesome. 
Naps are like the best, and science mm-hmm. has consistently proven this. Yeah. yeah. So along like with chocolate and red wine, in fact, you should just take a nap covered in chocolate and red wine. And not just sticky soak at all. It. Yeah. Not sticky at all. You just get all those good, good antioxidants. <laughs> um, so I really like Big Mouth Season 2. If you recall, I was sort of like lukewarm on Season 1. And season two is significantly better. I think um, maybe I was just more in the wavelength for the show, having watched season one, or I was just in a better place to sort of take it in uh, than I was last year. But I think that there's some good improvements in season two uh, in terms of some things that they address. Um, like Matt Matthew um, gets a little bit of work, which is really nice. Um, but then there's just consistently there's i think it's just a little sharper and less broad this season which was a, one of my big problems with season one uh there's a really good planned parenthood episode uh that they do as a series of sort of tv and pop culture inspired sketches that's i think really really solid uh episode eight which i tease in our rundown notes um is also really really good and a really good showcase for I think probably the best introduction that they do in this season is the introduction of the Shame Wizard, who's voiced by David Thulez uh, with much a palm. Um, he's very, very good. And this is a character who basically makes you feel ashamed for all the things that you are doing as as an adult as well, but specifically as a prepubescent or pubescent uh, child and going through those motions and that feeling of shame that comes about when you yell at a parent or you think that you're maybe masturbating too much and this kind of a thing. And the shame wizard is there to exploit those insecurities. And episode eight is a big showcase for that character. And it's a good sort of I don't want to say correction, but a good sort of balance to the hormone monsters to have this character here who puts things into a different perspective. And even the hormone monsters are just like, you're the worst. (laughs) And so there's a lot of there's a lot of really good stuff about shame, but also positivity that gets explored through the shame wizard, which I really, really like. And it's like I said, I think season two ultimately is a little bit more nuanced than season one. And I really appreciate it for that. And so there's a lot more good humor. There's some very solid musical numbers. Um, Coach Steve continues to be just deeply, deeply problematic for me in a number of ways. And season two doesn't do anything to remedy that in any way, shape or form. And so that's still something that's an issue for me in Big Mouth, but I think that season two is a much stronger sort of season, and I'm really curious to see what happens in season three, given where they leave off. Okay. Yeah, that is certainly something I'm looking forward to getting to. I didn't realize it was that late in the season that he shows up. I assumed, like, because there's been a lot of discussion of the Shame Wizard in the the lead-up. He shows up in, like, season... No, sorry, season. He shows up in, like, episode three... And so he like kind of recurs, but episode eight is like his big sort of antagonist sort of he gets a he gets a villain song, everything else. So that's his that's his big that's his big episode. Okay. Yeah, it's one I will definitely try to catch up with this um for next week. We'll see how the week goes, but I'm gonna try. And we can talk more about it then. Um but I'm glad that it that it uh really uh stepped up for you in season two that it was like went to that next level. So it's exciting because I you know I like this more than you did last year. So we'll see about season two. Um next is Speechless, which had its premiere L O N London part one, which is basically just a chance for, for me to say, Yay, John Cleese, and isn't he fun? 
as as Maya's dad. That's my main take. I really like this premiere. I actually thought it was it was very fun. I'm looking forward to part two, um, and I'm sure I will enjoy that as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I the change of pace and change of setting and everything was really good for me with this, and I, I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. Uh, I like it, like you said, just the John Cleese stuff is really, really good. And when John Cleese gets to play this particular sort of angry grump, uh, it's always really good. Mm-hmm. And this is no exception. And so that was really solid. Uh, Ray's Cali surfer boy thing got pretty old pretty quickly. Uh, but I like the royal family jokes were pretty solid. But mostly I wanted more from the whole London's not deeply accessible. Um, to people in wheelchairs sort of stuff. And I wanted to explore that a bit more, but I understand that that would have just involved a lot more location shooting than they maybe want to do initially. <laughs> so I appreciate what we got out of that. Uh, but I just needed a little bit more from it, but it was still pretty solid overall. Yeah, indeed. And yeah, you're right. The Cali thing got old immediately. Um, so I was, I was glad that they didn't stretch that as long as I feared they would with the two part premiere. And the stuff with Dylan was delightful, particularly because there was another royal wedding this week. Uh-huh. So uh, the timing uh-huh. worked worked great. Yeah. Uh, well, let's move over to Fresh Off the Boat with its premiere Fresh Off the RV. I have two quibbles with this. Um, sure. First of all, did I understand that correctly that this is Jessica's book ends up coming out right when Harry Potter 1 comes out? Is that correct? Correct. That okay. is correct. Harry Potter 1 wasn't a big deal in the United States. It was not. Harry Potter, like, around three is when it took yes. off. So yeah. that was bothering me through the whole beginning of this episode. Um, I, the second thing I, I'll say is that I thought it was the rest of it was solid. And I actually really enjoyed the uh, the fake credits in the RV, the, the TGIF Full House credits. I thought it worked really, really well. Um, but then when they did them again on Speechless, I was like, oh, they're just doing a thing. This isn't as good. I would rather be watching too many, too many cooks. Um, so for me, the fresh of the boat one did work when it felt less like a thing that they were doing with all their ads and everything, like the interstitials between the commercials. And, uh, I'm all here for Karima Jewel Jabbar just continually showing up as the, the local RV guy. All right. So first of all, I appreciate the return of too many cooks. I had almost forgotten about too many cooks and now. Now I just want to take a moment for us to just step away and go rewatch that brilliance. Um, secondly, I absolutely agree that the TJF opening for Fresh Off the Boat is significantly superior to uh, Speechless's, uh, which is disappointing, but they made sort of a, I feel like they made a much more concentrated effort to do a TGIF sort of uh, opening credit sequence as opposed to Speechlesses, which felt a little phoned in, which is very DeMeo, but at the same time doesn't work for the gag of we're going to do this across both of our programs for this. So that was a little frustrating for me. Um, And then, yes, my partner also pointed out the, wait, we didn't care about Harry Potter in 1998. That wasn't a thing yet. <laughs> a knife to the brain would have been getting attention <laughs> because yeah. of its title alone. And so that was a little perplexing. Um, but I also really appreciated the joke of Jessica complaining about the physics of it, but then immediately going back into the book because that is exactly what would have happened. But the rest of the episode was sort of just kind of fine. Um it wasn't as like it wasn't as sharp as I was hoping it was going to be. No pun intended with the knife in the brain bit, and but uh, Jessica's wanting to hide her failure I thought was 
interesting, but it just it didn't feel fleshed out enough for me. So I was kind of frustrated by that as well. So it wasn't like a super successful relaunch of TGIF for me, but I'm glad to have both shows back. Yeah. Actually, for me, the the probably one, the highlight of the episode was the loss of the Saturn and mm-hmm. uh, and all that that entails. I thought they did a yeah. really good job with that. And if They did write, do a good job with that. Yeah, if they're going to write that character off, then, you know, the, I would rather they keep her around. But if they're going to write her off, this is a pretty good way to do it. And, um, yeah. I, I kind of hoped that Eddie would somehow end up with the Saturn, which I don't think yeah. we saw happen. So I don't, I don't anticipate that happening in the start of the next episode or anything. But, um but no, it was it was good to give that relationship that little bit of closure and time in the premiere. So uh, I appreciated yeah. that. Yeah, I did too. And that that I think would have been the highlight if I could just remember that that actually happened. But <laughs> as soon as you said it, I was just like, oh yeah, that was actually really good. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully, I mean, I want that character to come back because I really like her and that performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was a good way to handle her leaving if she's going to leave for a little while. Yeah. And, and like they had Eddie say, you know, she'll be back for breaks and everything and holidays. Yeah. So they can easily do a one-off episode here and there, but, but no, it's good. It's, it was, it was a very, uh, appropriately, you know, uh, high school boy <laughs> or high school, school girl, uh, yeah. goodbye. So that was good. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to our finale for our weekend comedy here, and that's the Venture Brothers season t- uh, seven finale, the Sapphire Protocol. And Sapphire, um, this okay, this season sort of almost limped to the end for me. I, I really enjoyed the beginning of the season, and I happily watched each of these episodes through to the end. But I had less and less to say each week, and while watching Brock just kill people. Is going to be is going to be fun watching Samson just kill people. Um, is always a good well for the Venture Brothers to go back to. I I thought that they really missed opportunities in this finale. Uh, having having uh like the, the the coma fantasy sequence, you know, was was ridiculous and fun. But we got like nothing with, with Doctor Venture, and I, I felt like it was this was a part two that was lacking. Yeah, and I think you're right that the season, I think, has been very consistent overall in terms of its overall quality. But there was also just, there was, they weren't driving towards anything it really felt like. And that was, that was, I think, the most frustrating aspect of it is that there didn't seem to be a definitive sort of end that they were aiming for for the season. So the reveal to the monarch that he's the half-brother to Jonas um uh, to Jonas, uh yeah, uh, yeah. Rusty, Rusty. Rusty yeah yeah uh a wasn't a surprise for us because we a already knew but b also is just like but no that's not where you end this this is where you begin this and so that that was that i think was ultimately really frustrating even if it established some like really nice parallels with what they were trying to do with brotherhood and this kind of stuff um uh, throughout the course of this episode, it just didn't pay off in any way that felt either comedically or emotionally satisfying. And so as much as I enjoyed um, Gary and the monarch sort of going through this whole elaborate induction as level 10 villains, and also Gary reaffirming his no hench for life um, <laughs> type thing, which is I really appreciated because also if anyone is super competent in that room, it's Gary. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, but I enjoyed all of that, but it also just 
it felt very much like empty calories. And I kept waiting for a more substantial meal to come out of this season, especially considering as strongly as it started, and just never paid off. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, I I think they're doing a little better with their standalones than their serialized stories. So uh, those are the ones from the season I'm going to remember more. Uh And um, yeah, I mean, again, it's still a solid season. And certainly for a show on season seven, sorry, I keep saying 10, but season seven, episode 10 this week. it, it's in good shape, but uh-huh. I feel like they usually go all out in their finales. And they do. This, this did feel like a bit of a misstep for them compared to their previous finales. Uh, but I do look forward to watching once season eight rolls around, whenever that happens. Uh, maybe yeah. soon and maybe another couple of years from now. Who knows? But I will definitely tune in for that. Uh, what I will not necessarily tune in for, unless you tell me I should, is the Murphy Brown episode, hashtag Murphy 2. So... Uh, what what happens? Is this a Murphy has me two stories or Murphy has all of her secretaries come forward about how her verbally harassing them? Well, no, that that's actually something that they did in like the original run of the series. Uh, Murphy okay. actually gets abducted by all her old secretaries mm-hmm. and they they like ha- try to stage an intervention and explain where they're coming from. It's actually a really good episode, uh, but they they already did that. Uh, no, so this is a Murphy ha- reminisces and confronts a Me Too sort of movement uh, from her college days. And then two wacky subplots in which Miles frets about the fact that he wants to ask out a hot co-worker. And Frank has to deal with the fact that he doesn't know how to talk to women in this new me too environment anymore and so he enlists the aid of their millennial tech help who has an app that will vibrate anytime you say something particularly sexist or offensive to the point where the app develops um him just looking at a woman causes it to go off because his blood pressure spikes um kate rolled her eyes listeners when there I was, isn't uh, talking. a word yeah. for, or sound that adequately describe how much and how hard i rolled my eyes Right, and that's the correct response to have to both of these subplots, is that there's nothing particularly funny or interesting in them. And as a long-term Murphy Brown viewer, the show's, this season's decision to totally retcon out Corky and Miles' marriage into not existing at all. Like, they don't reference that they're even divorced or anything, because Diane English did not like the fact that these characters got married after she left the show. (laughs) Um, So the fact that there's no (laughs) discussion about Miles wanting to ask this woman out and Corky's just kind of sitting there on the sidelines. I'm just like, this is really weird. This is very weird. Um, But those two subplots just don't go anywhere. They're not particularly funny. They're not interesting. There's also like a weird age thing with the Miles one because the age disparity between the woman who um, is interested in Miles and Miles is interested in her, but they resolve it by her leaving to go take a job someplace else and now they can go out. Uh, just isn't it's not good so it's resting on the murphy dealing with a college professor who was like on the verge of sexually assaulting her before she like fled um is good ish there's some good line readings in there from candace bergen in particular uh but there's it's a weird sort of flat moment of confrontation and of flat sort of overall moment in terms of the triumph of her stealing that journalistic award that this professor has displayed prominently in her home and even has sort of like a Murphy Brown wall of fame in his in his house 
as like I I made her, I crafted her kind of thing. Uh it doesn't feel triumphant when she like off screen steals the award and runs out. Um it just if it all just kind of falls flat and it's really kind of frustrating since the show is positioned to do something like this pretty well, but I feel like it can't find the language to do anything stronger than this, or I can't find the gumption to do anything stronger than this, really. So it has to do this thing from her college days to sort of, like, oomph it, and it it just doesn't land anywhere. Like, the best parts for me really are when... She comes to the house and he's still repeating the same sort of patterns because he's got a young, impressionable 19-year-old who is working out of his house, etc., etc. And Murphy's just like, here's my card. If you want an actual job, please come see me. Mm-hmm. And that kind of a thing of like not telling her explicitly that she's in a bad situation is the other problem. But yeah. just saying, if you ever get tired of this, come see me and I will get you a job. And it's just like, well, A, maybe you could be a little bit stronger in this situation. Um, But B, that I think is sort of like the shining moment of the episode. But there's not enough of that to keep it like carrying forward. So this is nothing you need to check out, Kate. Um, Okay. Yeah. That's disappointing. But yeah, yeah. with with those descriptions, I'm quite happy not checking that out. However, Mm -hmm. I'm very glad that we continue to check out The Good Place because The Snowplow was another really uh, fun episode, particularly the way it ends. I was getting, uh, I was already starting to tire of the shenanigans on Earth with Michael jumping, you know, going back and forth to to, to help, to to just kind of nudge uh, more and more and it not becoming an issue at the door. I like, I did not anticipate the the door guy (laughs) of, of being, you know, so completely won over by his frog uh, um, antimatter, thermos. yeah, thermos, yeah. Um, it's it, so, so that was that was a fun turn, and then ending the episode with they do with ha- with everybody seeing Michael and Janet and the door and every like I'm very excited for the next episode. I can't wait to watch it. Um, so I'm gonna miss the dynamic of the group on earth, which I actually think that was working really well, but I, they really needed to change things up for, for Michael and Janet. So I'm glad that they uh, have done that at least. Right. And it's a show in which like this whole thing about Eleanor struggling to be in a group should be old hat by now, but they continue to find really good ways to mine that material. Um, Mm -hmm. This episode's a really good example of that. And so watching the group realistically dissolve because this is exactly what would happen in this sort of a study situation of like, okay, well, this was just kind of like the pilot program. We need to do this on like a hundred more people um, to sort of verify a number of other things. And you can't contaminate this sort of a study by staying involved. I think is really good. And I like, I appreciate the, the return, the, the on-screen return of a Hem- of the lesser Hemsworth brother mm-hmm. um, driving everything forward for this uh, was also really good. But I do agree that there was just, there was a time to shift dynamics. And if there's a show that is aware of when they need to change things up, it's this show. And so their ability to know exactly when to stop and change gears by having them all four see... A weird flashing door that shouldn't <laughs> exist, I think, is really good. 
and in standing in front of it is the librarian, the bartender, the concert promoter, and all that kind of stuff, and going questions everyone and so i'm really excited like you to see what comes next because this is a really good way for them to continue this show forward and it's also one of those things where i'm not quite sure what comes next as well and that i think has me more excited than anything indeed and uh my only question mark and concern is are we saying goodbye to chidi's girlfriend now uh so i hopefully she'll be not Along for part of the journey, though I also did wonder if maybe she's uh, an incognito angel because mm. we've seen demons, but we haven't seen anything on the other side besides Michael, yeah. who's a former demon or still a demon, but like you know, y'all know what I mean. Uh, so maybe there's something coming with that, but um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to what comes next, and I have no idea what's going to come next, and that's a big part of the fun. So yeah, we will have, I'm sure, more to say next week. What wins your week in comedy? Uh, probably the snowplow from The Good Place. I think uh, Big Mouth, I think, is not a close second, but a second place. Uh, mm-hmm. But probably The Good Place. What about you? Yeah, same same thing. Snowplow. And uh, <laughs> NBC, if you want to put up more screeners, I've watched them immediately, please. Please and thank you. <laughs> um, now we'll take a break, listen to some more music, and come back with our weekend genre, reality and drama. That was Miss Alyssa Edwards, and uh, we're it's time for our week in reality, genre, and drama, and we're going to kick things off with Dancing Queen Season 1, which dropped on Netflix. This is the Alyssa Edwards docuseries. Then Noel's going to talk about American Experiences, The Circus. We'll move over to genre and talk the Black Lightning premiere, The Book of Consequences, Chapter 1, Rise of the Green Light Babies, and then the Flash premiere, Nora, and we'll round things out with the premiere of All American, its pilot. So first of all is Dancing Queen. So there's eight episodes of this, I want to say. I binged this. I forgot that this was happening until I saw okay. a few people talking about it. And then I was like, what are they? And then I was like, oh, my God, that's right. Uh, so I really enjoyed this a lot. I don't okay. – I've never seen Dance Moms. Um, so I can't – you know, I've never been interested in ch- seeking out shows like that. But the reason that this was so interesting for me is as someone who works with students – uh, of the age range that we see here and someone who works with parents, some of whom at times seem like some of these dance moms and some of them who are many of whom are, are absolutely wonderful. Uh, it was, it, it just sort of underlined to me that like, I, it would be nice if there are more opportunities for me to observe teaching um, because it was just, it was fascinating for me to watch how the different people interact with the kids the ways that were helpful, the things that were not healthy at all. And um, 
the thing, you know, because obviously Justin, who is the actual, you know, identity of Alyssa Edwards, Alyssa Edwards is Justin, um, uh, Justin Johnson's drag persona. But watching like the ways in which he was great with the kids was really interesting. And then the ways that he was terrible with them and like having a favorites, the way that he does is just so destructive and not good at all. But it, it was really interesting for me. And it, it gave me things to think about in relation to my teaching and how I interact with with my students and even more significantly with my parents and, and give me ideas for things that I should do or things that I got to keep making sure I'm not doing, <laughs> which is sort of a bigger thing for me. But I did not expect that, that element to my viewing when I saw this, I, I expected to just sort of have fun with it um, and to enjoy parts and not be as compelled by, by certain other parts, but I did not anticipate um, the sort of, um, I don't know, just the, 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 the element of this that felt like coursework <laughs> and it felt like independent study. Uh, so I was very, very grateful for that. And I'm looking forward to season two because of course they end on a cliffhanger. Of, of course, Alyssa Edwards ends each episode on some level of a cliffhanger. Of course the finale ends on a cliffhanger as well. Uh, what did you think of, of this? You watched two. Yes. Uh, well, first let me say that I'm really glad that you had this particularly sort of personalized response to this. Um, I think that's really good. And the way that you're describing it and the way that you're talking about it in relation to your own work, I think is one of the things that I always enjoy when we find a show that does that in some way, shape or form. So I really, really, I really appreciate that. And I really like that. I didn't really like this though. <laughs> fair enough, <laughs> um, fair enough. Um, and a lot of this, I think just has to do with my patience for like celebrity personality driven sort of reality shows is very thin. Um, and so this was a lot. And then co combine that with the fact that as a World of Wonder production, I feel like there's a number of different sort of things that they're trying to hit in each episode. Like, there's two musical numbers, Kate. And I'm just like, why are these here? These are deeply edited and choreographed, basically like music videos. And I'm just like, what is happening right now in this? I don't understand. That that continues and, and I'm yeah. I may I may have fast forwarded. Yeah, and I think that's a fair response. I'll, like I was ready to fast forward. I didn't realize I was at the end of the second one until like I was at the end of the second one cuz I was about to fast forward through the rest of it cuz I was just like why is this happening right now? This feels like a weird like insert into this. And so that was like really frustrating for me, but then the rest of it's just sort of like fine like i've seen enough like dance mom competition or pageant mom type stuff to go i know these people i've seen other reality shows about these people i don't need to watch more of this and so that was that was that wasn't something that was appealing to me either as much as i wanted more time sort of exploring these teaching methods that you're talking about and getting nitty gritty with that, I think, would have maybe appealed to me a bit more than this sort of split between doing that, exploring the personal lives post sort of drag race success and charting that kind of a stuff. I think I would have been more interested in a heavier focus on the dance studio, despite not necessarily being interested in it. I think it would have at least made the show a little bit more compelling. Um, so that's kind of all I have to say is based on these two episodes, I'm not going to go back for any more. My only other question for you, though, Kate, is based on what you've seen here, are you going to invite all your 
parents out for a big kegger in the middle of nowhere and have them do questions about you because i feel like that's a really good learning opportunity (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah no i I appreciated some of that stuff um when you know just justin was not gonna hear it but when the moms start talking like if you talk to my daughter the way that you talk to her daughter we'd have a problem and 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 that's so so telling for me because it's like wait a second why don't you have a problem with how he talks to her daughter? Yeah. That that's like what are you kidding me? Um and I, I mean it's also for me so obvious that he's in the wrong with how he's interacting with you know yeah. and it's it's just a blind spot and, and he you when you see how good he is with uh, especially the the younger kids there's a whole thing about Marcella and the assistant director and the moms don't like her and the kids don't like her cuz she doesn't just like give them compliments all the time <laughs> and and then you see and and you know there are reasons for that uh and, and then you see how justin interacts with them and it immediately goes to positive reinforcement as opposed to negative reinforcement like and like there's there's little things that as a, someone who works with kids you can see what he's doing you, you know and i don't know how much obviously he's been teaching for a, quite a long time so he I'm, just, I'm sure that's very intentional um but it's just there's little things like that that i can appreciate watching him and interact with some of the kids um the the talking heads from some of the students are wonderful the talking heads from some of the students are terrible and like oh poor ainsley i really hope like ainsley is she, gets is she the seven is she the seven-year-old yeah, yeah. She, she's the seven-year-old yeah. who you can tell has been rewarded for very bratty behavior like her entire mm-hmm. life and yes. it's not again she's seven there's some <laughs> okay listeners this is gonna sound harsh and this is not about ainsley this is just a gener- generic random person this is not about ainsley sometimes you meet someone who's like seven or eight or even six and you go oh they're a bitch and i <laughs> I, I hope they grow out of it um and sometimes they do but sometimes they don't and like I, I have known people over my life who have wonderful parents and every reason that they should be a wonderful, wonderful person. And they're just terrible. And they were when they were little and you tried to help them grow out of it. Or you try, you watched other people try to help them grow out of it. And they just never did. Cause that's just a personality. I don't get the sense that that is the case for Ainsley. Um, I think she just has had a lot of positive reinforcement for air quotes precocious, but really just very uh, judgy and and bitchy comments because she's also modeling what she's seeing. And yes. um, so, so again, I was watching this going like, oh, God, like you you see she comes across one way and and very bossy, all these other things. But you can see that, she, you know, she's just a kid, you know, and <laughs> there's time to fix this. <laughs> um, I don't know that that will happen, um, but it was it was interesting to see the different talking heads and the the amount of having their heads screwed on the right way that we saw for especially the teens. I thought it was actually pretty impressive, and you could tell there's some unhealthy stuff going on with with self esteem and with uh, like just this cult of personality around their teacher and their coach, and that's the kind of thing you see in sports all the time with coach. Yes. Um, and like having, if you can find a, a healthy balance of that, where you have, as a teacher, you need someone, if you're doing something so specialized and so demanding and so like, so difficult as, as dance is here, 
Like you need to trust, you need to have a good teacher and you need to trust your coach and you need to know they know you have to trust. They know better than you do at some of this stuff. But as soon as it gets to this level of, of, of just constant, uh, like insecurity and like, it's, it's just abusive and manipulative and it's really bad for them. So, so like having some of that is important in coaching and in teaching, but having too much of it can destroy the individual's ability to live their own life and have their own awareness. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry. I took that, went down a tangent. Didn't mean to go down, but, uh, but it was, but it was interesting to follow that and to watch that. And, uh, again, like I said, for kids on the, on the TV show who know they're being filmed and everything, like I was, I was rather surprised how, um, how well they came across, even if I felt, uh, like I wanted to intervene and and tell them to 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 just back up a little bit from from their 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 coach, um, and the things some of the things that he's doing to them that he doesn't realize he's doing. It, it's so important to have a teacher who will tell you honestly how you're doing, and how hard it is to break into a field like dance. Like you have to have an honest and relationship with your students about that stuff. Um, but there's a way to do that. That isn't as harmful. I have to think so. Anyways, I'm, I'm tangenting and I'm continuing and I'm rambling, but I, I did really appreciate that aspect of it. And I totally get why this is not your thing. And yeah. I would uh, then say, you don't watch more because <laughs> it's going to yeah, be more no. the same. No, I've got I've got a whole season of Block of Terrace House episodes to watch next week. So. There we go. <laughs> yeah. well, you also made some time for the American Experience, uh, the Circus, which is a, a two parter, like a four hour epic. What what is this? Yeah. So if listeners, if you have four hours to kill, <laughs> and who doesn't? Yeah. Um, yeah. you could do worse than check out American Experiences, um, at, um, the Circus, which is uh basically explores. The creation of uh, the American circus, basically, and tracks it basically from like Barnum, a little bit pre-Barnum, and then all the way basically to Ringling Brothers' original closing in 56. Uh, So basically stretching almost 100 years worth of history over the course of four hours. Uh, there's a number of really great talks from historians about it. There's some really good um, animation uh, done in that kind of circus poster style um, that's really, really uh, cute, but also really fits really well. Uh, I th- the reason I wanted to highlight it, though, is that there's, like with the Chinese Exclusion Act uh, that aired earlier this year, also from American Experience, There's a sense of timeliness about a lot of this um, that I feel is really relevant. Uh, The Chinese Exclusion Act deals especially and specifically with repression of voting rights uh, is a large part of that. And that was really, really good. And it aired around the time like a number of primaries were like being run. Uh, This is much more driven by desires to discuss entertainment and capitalism. Um, and historians make the point of discussing how Barnum and the circus, especially after they merged uh, Barnum's and became Barnum's and Bailey's, that the circus was in of itself this epitome of Gilded Age capitalism, that Barnum was right up there with Rockefeller, Morgan, and Car- Carnegie. And But we don't talk about 
Barnum as this business titan, even though in 1881, the circus bought in $1.1 million in 1881. That's an insane amount of money, really. And so there's just this discussion about capitalism that sort of circulates. There's discussion about uh, labor. There's discussions about animal ethics within it as well that kind of get that get baked into this discussion about capitalism that I think is they could have delved more into, but they're also covering a hundred years worth of history. So uh, they're picking and choosing a number of things here. Uh, then there's also just this kind of shift in entertainment perspectives of the circus was this was prior to the proliferation of radio and then movies and then especially television was sort of the monolithic sort of American culture in that this was what everyone sort of understood and everyone cleared out towns to go to the circus basically and so it was the common cultural touchstone apart from basically like sheet music um for an American experience and so what happens at they track the rise of these other things specifically movies and television as things that ended up hurting the circus and causing the circus to drift away uh, from the American soul, as one historian calls it. And so there's just a number of really good anecdotes about the circus. Like, I knew very specifically from my own background that the circus was the primary way in which a number of Americans were first exposed to motion pictures through Nickelodeons, but also through just tense running movies. And which is, of course, amusing because movies ended up helping to cover up the circus when the circus wasn't in town. And it was also cheaper to go to the movies than it was to the circus. But then there's also just the fact that when Bailey came back and from touring originally, he did a big tour of the Pacific and then came back to New York basically just as electricity was being unveiled. So he immediately buys a generator and lights up his circus. And that's the basically the circus is the first way in which most Americans were exposed to electricity. And that's really cool and fascinating. That's really and not interesting. Something... Yeah. Exactly. And like he sold tickets for them to go take tours of generators uh-huh. that he had running things. And it's just like, oh, the circus was such a scam. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just really, really fascinating. Like those little tidbits are really sort of like the things that I really love about American Experience as a series. But then also just like that concept of like, yeah, it is. Because again, this was like something that all Americans basically went to through basically the 1930s before other forms of entertainment started to supplement it. So if you have four hours and you're even passingly interested in this based on my discussion of it, seek it out. You can watch it for free on the American Experience website um, or you can probably catch it on on video on demand service through your local PBS affiliate. But it's definitely worth checking out if you have four hours to kill. Um, <laughs> but it's very good and it's really well made. And it's also it was funded in no small part through the National Endowments for the Humanities, which is another reason to watch and support that these kinds of programs through the NEH. Um, and so yeah, I would check it out. It's really good. And I'm going to stop talking because <laughs> I've talked for four hours about this four-hour documentary. That's uh, no, that's really interesting, and I will definitely seek that out. Cool. Thank you. 
Thank you. You're for, welcome for bringing that to our attention. Uh, well, something we didn't need brought to our attention was the Black Lightning premiere. I was very much looking forward to this after season one. This is the Book of Consequences, which I really dug the new intro thing that they did. That yeah. Was yeah. yeah, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, this is chapter one, Rise of the Green Light Babies, and I really like this premiere. Spoiler alert, this won my week in TV. My week in genre and drama and reality, that is. Mm-hmm. And uh, for many reasons, it is a good follow-up of our finale. But it also just, like, clears the board of some things. It goes, nope, we're not going to do that. We're going to go this other way instead, in a way that's very exciting and shows so much confidence. I'm really looking forward to what this season looks like it may bring. And I look forward to being surprised as well. Um, but, but like, killing off, uh, well, well, theoretically, though we didn't see a dead body. She might not be dead. She's got lizard skin or whatever. But killing off, uh, what's-her-face, the sidekick, a uh, villain, was, uh, and with a shoe like that, too. Ah, oh, was oh, awesome. so good. <laughs> uh, taking Jefferson out of the high school. Like, just, just going like, nope, he's, at least for now. Who knows? He yeah. could easily be reinstated. But for now, he's out. Uh, getting rid of the, oh, who is Black Lightning? And who, like, just, just be like, yeah, we're, we're not going to do that. We were going to do that, but uh, we're not going to do that. It was, it was energizing and it was fun and it lived up to the name, the Book of Consequences. So I, I thought this was a really strong start to the season. And, uh, the, you know, We'll see about the rest of the CW shows next week, but uh, it looks like Black Lightning is trying to make a play for best Arrowverse show, and so well, maybe we'll see Arrow about Verse Legends. Show. Yeah, maybe Legend. Arrowverse show. They're not like directly connected yet, so alas. Yes, well, superhero <laughs> CW superhero show. Yeah, um, yeah, but and and I think that they do a good job with it. So so I think that I'm looking forward to it being a battle between. Black Lightning and uh, Legends. So we'll see with the Legends premiere. But what did you think of the Rise of the Green Light Babies? I really like this as well. Like you said, that there's a number, the the sheer confidence of their willingness to sort of retool a number of things here. Uh, recognizing exactly where they needed to tweak things to propel their narrative as opposed to getting stuck in something. I think is really shows a real sense of awareness on the writers and the producers part of going all right we've set up this universe and we need to start paying things off in terms of what we did so like telling it calling it a book of consequence like you said is just so beautifully fitting and dealing with various ramifications of tobias's shakeup of the government shakeup of the school actually having ramifications for what happened (laughs) i think is all just really good and the fact that they feel confident enough to do that makes me very excited about what they're going to do going forward and that more than anything i think has me very excited so i'm really eager to see what they're going to do and um this premiere is is I will just say that this premiere is a little more confident than the Legends of Tomorrow season premiere, but that premiere, as you and I will discuss, has to do a lot of table setting, Um, Mm -hmm. and understandably so, given sort of the changes that they're making, Um, but it's also deeply amusing in the last act, so. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I'm intrigued. Uh, Speaking of deeply amusing... I was deeply amused by the Flash premiere, Nora. I actually thought it was a, a sort of a return to form for them. And I'm I'm also optimistic, at least about the start of the season. Um, and a big part of that is just Jessica Parker Kennedy is so adorable and not annoying. Like she, like she easily could be as Nora. And like, 
again, like out of a casting machine for for looking like Barry and Iris's daughter. Like it's <laughs> creepy. <laughs> um, so I really enjoyed that character. I thought they were a bit didactic, and I was I was waiting for Iris to figure it out way before Barry. Um, <laughs> like what the the twist is for for her why she's back and and what's going on and why she. Um, is not paying any attention to to Iris and and so connected to Barry. Um, so that was disappointing. But as as much as I I don't care about another future set problem, I don't like. I'm not interested in, in any of that. Um, I I am interested in, in the emotional connections between these characters, and I thought they felt they did a good job with that. I also thought they did a good job with <laughs> again Cisco going to Cisco with the um. Him being hungover was su- and su- super entertaining. Finding out that there actually is a lounge and has been this whole time, and just they weren't paying attention. <laughs> and Joe, the detective, of course, found it was also delightful. Um, there, there were just a lo- bunch of little things in this that I really enjoyed and got a, got a kick out of. And so I'm optimistic that they will. Um, that I'm hoping that the writers will maintain that balance as the as the season moves forward and we find out about Caitlin's past that I don't care about and her dad that I don't care about and this group of people who are killing metas I'm guessing are humans killing metas uh, that I don't care about. Um, if we get enough of the, these like family moments and these friend moments, I then I will be around along for the ride with everything else. I'm so glad you feel that way because um, I'm just going to tap out. I think fair enough. Um, and I, I I do think that this is, again, sort of a return to form, but we were here last year. <laughs> it's ex- like exactly what we were saying last year, right? Yes. And I refuse to get suckered in again. <laughs> um, because it's just like, all right, we're going to do a really cool flash thing of vibrating a plane through a couple of buildings. And it's just like, this is so cool. No, no, you're not going to sucker me in again, show you're not. <laughs> I've been here before. We've done this. I'm not doing it again. And so as much as I'm just like all in for the new suit, because it's good, it's really good, Kate, mm-hmm. um, because it's so classic flash. It's bright red instead of the crimson that they've been doing very consistently. And it's just classic, classic comic book flash red. And I really love it. But I'm also just like, oh, it's not enough to get me to come back and like go through some really good episodes and then then just swerve into doldrums of I'm on a crusade to kill the metas and it's just like nobody cares <laughs> and so I'm not I'm not willing to do it um I'll stop in every now and then depending on what you're telling me about the show but I already deleted my season pass boom and yeah so I did that even before it premiered I was just like oh, no 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 I only watched this because I had a screener for it <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm probably done, but I think you're right with everything about this premiering that there's a lot of really good character beats in it. There's a number of goods. The Cisco stuff is really good. The um the stuff with Nora I think is generally really strong. Um, but I'm also just like I there's just so many ways in which I see it going wrong instead yeah. of going right that I'm just like I don't want to put myself through this. So, yeah, I'm just going to step away for a little while, I think. And I'll check in maybe at some point. Um, definitely for the crossover. Um, but that, that's going to be about Batwoman. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So it's a really good premiere, I think. But it's also, I don't want to get it back on this carousel. So, yeah. Well, I also, I, to mention real quick, I do really appreciate the time they gave to Wally. 
Especially since Keen Lonsdale is See, not going to be on this, and he's not going to be on Legends. I don't think they give him enough time, but that's just me. But I expected them to give him nothing, because he's not a main character yeah. of the show anymore. They don't give him anything on Legends. That's because he's not on it. Yeah, well, exactly. But I just... Yeah. And that's exactly why I'm glad that they gave him stuff here. And I, I, I'm glad that they care enough about their shared universe and the actor and the character to take a moment and say goodbye to him. I wanted more of a goodbye. but Maybe he'll be back. We hope he'll be back. But if not, so be it. You know, <laughs> we're not going to kill him off. We're not going to like, you know, give him like, like injure him and ha- or we're not going to have him go like need to go to a monastery and pray. We're just going to be like, OK, you do you. And when you're back, we look forward to seeing you and, you know, don't let us think you're dead. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so again, maybe that's just a matter of expectations where I yeah. didn't expect. I expected he would just be gone. And yeah, okay. so, so I like that they had, they made sure to bring him here for back here for the, for the premiere. So um, I will check in with this everyone when there's more for me to say, but right now let's move on to our last episode in the week in TV. And that is all American. And Noel, I have a bone to pick with you. you sure. Said this was, you said this was good. This was bad. Yeah. This was not good. Okay. This was All stupid. Right. And I seem to be the only person who thinks that. This I was about to say, you're like, you're the only person I think who thinks that so far that I've seen. There are like two characters I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very distracting that all of the high schoolers are 30-somethings. None yeah. of them look even remotely like high schoolers. Like even a li- they don't even look like college students. Even a little, right, yeah. And so that's really difficult to, to, to suspend disbelief on. Um, secret daddy, I'm not interested in. Um, I'm not interested. I, I care about the, the friend who now seems to have joined the Bloods. Um, I'm very invested in that character. I expected them to kill her off to motivate his move. Um, so I was happy when that didn't happen. Um, I'm somewhat interested in blatant love triangle they're setting up. Uh, I like that they didn't make go the, the, the easy route and make the, the, the girl that our lead is interested in terrible. But she's hot, so he's interested anyway. Like, I like that they actually, she seems like she's on, on the up and up. And so, I, yeah, like, I could see the shipping interests there. I don't care. But I can see why people would. But, like, all of this, you know, got guy from the wrong side of the tracks. And, like, it's, just, it's so telegraphed. And we don't like him because we're not very mature. And, like, it's, it just, it's so... I expected and was hoping for much more nuance, much more thought, and much more interest in the motivations of these characters. And we get a little bit in our leads, and a little bit in his like his family, his brother and his mom, a little bit in the coach. But really, everybody else is a cardboard cutout, and I don't have time for that. So I will not be watching more of this until everybody talks about how amazing it is, and then I'll catch up and see if it was worth it. But I'm not going to watch this week to week because, wow, bad dialogue. Uh, uninteresting, uninspired performances uh, for the entire football team. Um, uh, maybe this is because, you know, I, I heard from you and other people that this was so good. This is one of the best pilots. But, like, for me, this is, like, not even a good pilot. <laughs> so tell me why I'm wrong. Well, I do think that the pilot is definitely overstuffed, and there are character motivations that kind of shift from scene to scene um, in it. But I think that the overall sort of tone and approach of the show um, works for me. And I do think that there are melodramatic elements that don't work, like the secret dad aspect of it is not a positive thing. 
Um, it's not good. Um, I think that Tay Diggs' performance helps carry a lot of the water, especially in the pilot, uh, which is not a surprise to anyone, I feel like, um, given it's Tay Diggs. <laughs> um, but I, I think that there's enough potential there is probably why me and others gave it a as strong of a like pass sort of acknowledgement as we did but there's also the fact that it's also a really low bar to clear kate the pilots were really bad this year (laughs) um so i think that that's part of it but i think that there's also just the sense that again there's a lot of potential in terms of provided that we slow down a little bit and that's sort of like the biggest problem for me in this pilot is that they move really really fast to get to where they want to end this on whereas this is sort of a this was really more of a season season this was more of like an episode three or four sort of ending that we hit and they just trucked all the way through it really fast and i think that that's part of the problem with it but I also think that hopefully now that they have gotten through the premise, basically, and established everything that they want, they can slow down a little bit and start exploring these nuances and flesh out these characters a bit more and move them beyond the cardboard cutout archetype, wrong side, rich side sort of type of idea and see what they can do with that. And hopefully that they can. Hopefully that they can, because otherwise I will apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, having like the... The meaningful glance, as the coach calls the new guys, good job, son. It's like, he's yeah. not your son, I'm your son. It's like, you're telling yeah. me he's never called any of the other football players, good job, said good job, son, the other football players? Because I don't believe that. I don't yeah. believe that that's not something he says all the time. Um, and therefore, something you would be completely a nerd to. Or, if he doesn't say that all the time, it's really weird. And the, the more people should be responding and reacting. Like, just, oh, man. I was so not interested in, in and and i think it's also it's not just what you're saying it was like the the buzz from everyone oh it's the best high school show since friday night lights it's like i would never compare it to friday night lights i explicitly compared it to the oc yeah no this is the oc and it took me a while to warm to the oc as well yeah. at least that had a couple of people who look like they might be in college yeah and not out of college um but yeah so i mean you're right tatings is a big part of what works here and they seem to have number of charismatic air quotes young actors for the high schoolers but yeah i'm just i don't see it everyone else and i know that i'm on an island by myself here so i get it but um yeah i'll i'm looking forward to more god friended me and that's the one i'm gonna i did not anticipate that at the beginning of the year that that would be the one that i would be keeping up with but currently that's the one i'll be keeping up with well, I already said what well, my won my week in Shadow Drum Reality, and that and that's like the Black Lightning premiere. What about you? Yeah, no, I think the Black Lightning premiere is probably the strongest of the things. But guys, really, go watch Circus; it's good. <laughs> <laughs> now we'll take a break and come back with our uh, dive in with the season premiere and I guess Doctor premiere of Doctor Who, uh, the woman who fell to Earth. We'll be right back after this. Hold on there, please, madam. I need you to do as I say. This could be a potential crime Why scene. Why call me madam? Because you're a woman. Am I? Does it suit me? What? Oh, yeah. I remember. Sorry. Half an hour ago, I was a white-haired Scotsman. When's the next train due? This is the last one back. But the doors are locked. How did you both get in? Driver's window was smashed in. What's your name? PC Khan, Hallamshire Police. Name, not title. Yasmin Khan. Yes, to my friends. Can I have your name, please? When I can remember it. You don't know your own name? Of course I know it. Just can't 
remember it. It's right there on the tip of my... What's that? Tongue? Tongue! Smart boy. Biology. What did she call you? Ryan? Yeah, Ryan Sinclair. Good name. Are you a doctor, Ryan? No. Shame. I'm looking for a doctor. That was the trailer for, for this season of Doctor Who. And we're going to be talking here not about the whole season, of course, because only one episode is aired. We're going to be talking about the premiere for Jodie Whittaker's Doctor, the Chris Chibnall era of the show. And, and the episode is The Woman Who Fell to Earth. Um, I have many thoughts. I have so many thoughts. I really enjoy this premiere. And uh, I'm sure I will blather on with, about, with all my Whovianness about the things that I thought worked and things that I thought didn't and things I'm excited about and things I'm, I'm hesitant about. Um, but I want to start with you. What did you think of this premiere? And, uh, you know, you know what we should do? We should start with what's your level of connection to Doctor Who? Because listeners know I'm a massive Whovian. And then how does that inform maybe how... Was this just like another episode? I was like, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had a feeling... I- yeah, no, it's it's perfectly fine. It's very serviceable. I think that there's a uh, there's a lot of good stuff I think in here. But as like a premiere and also being semi familiar with regeneration episodes, it's also just like okay, I'm ready to move on to the not regeneration focused and the Doctor going, oh, I have fingers or what's my name again? Getting through these beats, I'm just like, all right, we can move on to the fun adventure running thing now. Um, so, like, as a frame of reference, like, I didn't come in on Eccleston or Tennant. I basically really started watching in a dedicated way with Smith and then went back and watched Eccleston and Tennant. Mm-hmm. And then I stopped watching pretty much entirely after Amy and Rory departed mm-hmm. and just went, I'm good. I'm done. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm gonna head out here because. I was also like seeing like a lot of weird creep stuff with the Moffat. The Moffat creep was starting to settle in by then, and I was yeah. just getting like, this this isn't a show I really want to continue watching. Uh, so I saw a little bit of the Capaldi stuff, just a little bit, because I really like Capaldi. He's just fabulous. Period. So I watched a little bit of his stuff, and it was it was good. I appreciated the joke in this about being a grumpy Scotsman, <laughs> um, but it was. So I basically had like a long stretch of not watching this show. Um, so one of my first things was going back and watching this and going, watching this episode and looking at my person and going, is this a Doctor Who episode? Because aesthetically it doesn't look like a Doctor Who episode to me or like what my recollection of a Doctor Who episode was from the period in time in which I was watching it. It did not feel like a Doctor Who episode. And so that was sort of split with like how I was feeling about it. And it's just like, I, I kept waiting for the same hallways. Um, <laughs> but also it was just like, I also wasn't sure like, are we trying to do sort of a more prestige looking Doctor Who with this? Or what? what's the vibe I'm supposed to be getting from this sort of darker all at night sort of vibe that they're going for? And I wasn't quite sure about that. Um... But overall, again, I think it's fine. I'm excited about the companion cohort. I think is a really nice cross-section. I'm not crazy about what happens to Grace. But um, I think there's a lot of interesting sort of generational type stuff that they can explore with this that I'm very interested in watching play out. And I think that's what I'm most interested in. And I'm also interested in this sort of what I have to presume... 
unless they this is how they get saved, this search for a TARDIS I think could be really compelling and really interesting. Provided that's not how they get saved out of this cliffhanger, is that the TARDIS shows up and saves them. Because they should all be dead, Kate. They should all already be dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was a... Well, we don't know yet because the TARDIS could just be invisible and they're in the field that's that's around the yes uh, the, the TARDIS there could be a lot of things that, that you know that they could do it was a lovely cliffhanger though it was a very exciting yes. cliffhanger um and having the TARDIS team um be three humans who didn't sign up to be the TARDIS team is a good way to do it too it changes up the dynamic and and allows for a lot more options and, and having having three companions is something that was a staple of the fifth doctor's era and came back briefly during the Matt Smith, Amy Pond, Rory, and and occasionally River kind of chapter mm-hmm. of this of the show. Uh, I like having more people. Uh, I think it, it's good to change up the dynamic. You, having one on one Doctor, one companion works well, as, you know, too. But then you get to have more flexibility when you have a, a bigger team. And they clearly wanted to really start fresh, and so they wanted yeah. a complete, completely different feel than they've had for quite a while with the new series um, other than those family episodes with, uh, with right. Dr. River, Amy and Roy um, and, and having a somewhat related, related enough to trust each other, but not, not related like enough <laughs> to, to not have, you know, fights <laughs> team that don't necessarily all want to be there. I think is great. Having, like you said, a very different visual aesthetic and pacing um, is yeah. part of it as well, which I really appreciated new composer yay i'm very excited about the new composer because they're not murray gold and murray gold don't get me wrong murray gold writes a bunch of really gorgeous music for doctor who but it's always way too high in the mix and overwhelming and overwrought and doesn't leave enough the between the composer and the director and the producers whoever's in charge of the sound mixing and the final edit of it uh, which is not that's not on the composer but it's always too over like manipulative and it doesn't trust the audience. And so I really am looking forward to a different sounding Doctor Who in a, in a big way. And I still love many of Murray Gold's themes. Don't get me wrong, listeners, but I'm, I'm so ready for that change. So I was excited about that, too. Um, having like having a Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor is kind of the least different thing about this episode. And I love yes. that. That's so fun. She's immediately instantly the doctor like you didn't even need the sting of of the dun 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 you know the theme song when she lands because she nails the performance right from her first moments it feels like the doctor and that's what is most important it doesn't you know doctors need to look a certain way doctor doesn't need to have like say a certain thing or have a certain personality they need to feel doctory and Whitaker immediately feels doctory i loved some of the writing for this doctor and the 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 it's the same thing you've heard other people and read other people's reviews that they've talked about um the scene where she's talking about being born and needing to try to get used to her body and she has she's not sure who she is yet and she's I, i've seen several people on twitter who are trans talk about that really relating to that and and when and when they started on um on hormones especially like this like call towards who you're gonna be and needing to trust that and needing to to go with that and not wanting to lose everything of who you were as well um i thought it was very well written and very well um performed when you have these regeneration stories it's a lot of the same you have to hold the the audience's hand as they accept change because change is scary and that was another lovely little exchange that felt earned in the actual scene 
It wasn't as didactic as, uh, for example, the Lethal Weapon premiere. Um, it was felt more earned, which was good. But um, you need you, you need to hold the, the audience's hand through this new Doctor, introducing this new Doctor, get enough of a sense of who they are that people are on board um, with enough flexibility that Snow's going to take a few episodes to figure out exactly who they are. And um, I thought that, you know, like you, you, like how many ways are there to say, oh, it's bigger on the inside when people see the TARDIS for the first time, right? Yeah. That's one of the tricky things is as a writer coming up with a new way to do that. And this episode has that as well. Every Regeneration episode has that. How, what's a new way to say the same thing that we saw 10 and 11 and 12 say in their first episodes? And I thought they did that. And they did that well here. Uh, the the commands themselves. Um, hmm. Let's go right to Grace. That's a bunch of bullshit. And, yep. uh, the way that it starts, you know, I mean, also if you've read any, any discussion of who the new actors are, and here's the coverage from Comic-Con and they brought the cast, you know, everybody who's there is going to be a companion except for Grace. And so it's like, hmm, I didn't, see. oh, you didn't, were you waiting for them nope. to kill her? No, I just, I didn't know. Like I haven't followed anything about this. Uh-huh. So I just went, oh, oh, they, they killed the black lady. Oh, yeah. well, that's nice. Isn't that great? Yeah. yeah, I was real, especially with the way it starts, because uh, he seems somber. Like, let me tell you about the most amazing woman I've ever met. Yeah. And and then you're like, okay, it's not going to actually be the doctor. It's going to be about this nan. Oh, that means they're going to kill the nan. Oh, great. And two people voted that video down. I love that really detail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was wonderful. Um, yeah. Uh, but, 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 um, so there were some things like that that were very tiresome and I wasn't excited about. Uh, the, the need to kill off the random kindly grandfather? Come on. It's not necessary. Um, the, yeah, the, the killing off, um, Asher's brother, who they're definitely coming back. That, like, we're gonna, we're gonna meet Asher before the end of the season and, and the doctor's gonna save her and she's gonna come back to Earth and, you know, like, that's, that's happening. Um, so, like some of that I didn't think was that great or really helped the episode, but the things that they got right, I thought they got really right. And I'm certainly much more heartened about the Chibnall era uh, than I was before. I was much more tentative beforehand. I knew Whitaker would be very good because she's been terrific in everything I've seen her in. But uh, I was less certain about what the pace, what it would feel like. You know, if it does feel more of that, like more serious, longer kind of, feel as opposed to the the romp um and i think that that's a good change of pace for now at least we'll see how long it lasts uh i liked the way it looked i looked like the way it sounded and i liked the uh we're gonna do this now are you okay we're good we good okay now because we're doing this we gotta keep moving and that i think is a good way to handle the change from the 12th doctor and the history of all male doctors to the new first female doctor um, so yeah, what, what any particular scenes stand out to you? I really liked the, just. I don't know that there's a particular scene. Um, I think I just did really enjoy, like you were saying, Whitaker's performance, but also the Doctor always has some degree of empathy. But I think that the way that thirteen is being written, there's a lot more empathy. Yes. Which I think is really good and really interesting to watch. And necessary. Um, a necessary correction from taking yeah. that too far with the end of 10 and elements of 11 and elements of 12. And I think that that's really good. And I don't want that to drift away, basically. Mm-hmm. And I worry about that drifting away. 
Um, because <laughs> every time, like, she kept mentioning, oh, yeah, no, I just kind of, like, try to fix things. And I just went, do you, though? Do <laughs> you? Because you don't sometimes. You don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and you sometimes purposely don't fix things. And so the, 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 there was that kind of thing. But the the sort of way that she was talking to everyone, I really, really appreciated and really liked. And the crux of the previews of being like, I'm going to find a way to get you back home. I really like just that idea of a setup mm-hmm. of like, you have three unwilling companions. <laughs> um, and then being like, we would like to go home now. Sorry, I don't have my time machine spaceship. So, um, <laughs> sorry, but you have to stick with me. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited to see how that thread plays out across these episodes and with these companions who all have very different perspectives and approaches um, in their personalities from Graham being much older than everyone else in the human side, not the doctor side, obviously, because the doctor was very old. Um, but um, Ryan's sort of tenacity that gets displayed by the end and then Yasmin's desire for exploration but also clear willingness to be working within a framework that is comfortable for her I think it's also going to be really interesting to watch that play out as well and so each of these I think brings something really interesting and will challenge the doctor in a way that I don't really feel like other companions at least recently have necessarily done in my brain anyway, of like a lot of them were very willing to go along for the ride. And these folks aren't maybe wanting to go along for the ride all the time and would just like to go back home and have some goddamn tea. And so I'm really interested to see how all of that's going to play out. So I'm here for this incarnation, this series for a little while, at least. Um, And this, yeah, I just, I'm excited about the empathy, Kate. I'm very excited about the empathy and how that gets displayed to them, but also how that gets displayed in how they deal with antagonistic forces and aliens within that they encounter. Because there was always that sense of, especially with like Tennant and Smith's incarnations of like, all right, you get a warning. Yeah. (laughs) And then that's it. The gloves come off. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested to see how much of that doesn't appear here, basically. Interesting. Because they, yeah. they make sure that there's the element of choice. Yeah, there's that. always that element of choice. And yeah. she, she does provide that to the... Tim tooth, Shaw! <laughs> yeah, to the Toothface guy. That was um, so fun, though. The, the, the yeah. Shrim Shaw. Like, Tim, Tim Shaw, what are you... Like, that was delightful. <laughs> so, I'm at the very least, I'm here until the Alan Cumming episode. Mm-hmm. So... But yeah, so I'm 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 interested in seeing what's going to come next, basically. Yeah, uh, you mentioned empathy, and that is immediately what I keyed into with this doctor. And the, the she's not a mothering figure, which I think was important. But I cannot imagine literally any of the other companions, or the, the other any of the other doctors, um, and their companions covering up the body with a sheet. Like yeah, giving absolutely. that dignity to to the the dead. Um, that is actively something the other doctors would not have been interested in and certainly would not have said thank you for thinking. Like, I really appreciate that. And and, and that is something that has been, um, again, I, in my opinion, 
and overcorrection. And this this desire to make the doctor feel alien and strange and disconnected from life and death. And it was very uh, reassuring to see that be one of the traits they wanted to highlight here. And another trait I'm very excited about is the tinkerer. <laughs> so having her make her own screwdriver out of out of uh, a bunch of spoons was delightful and super fun. You know that we're going to see lots of awesome cosplay with the doctor with those goggles. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. here for it. I don't actually care for the design of the new screwdriver at all. But my, my person, my person said it looks like a vibrator and I couldn't agree more. <laughs> it also kind of looks like Firefly a little bit. Um, a so, little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I don't really like I'm not that I don't actually like it, but I love the scene of her making it. Mm-hmm. And um, the decision to keep the Yorkshire accent as well, centering this in Sheffield um, and among the working class, very actively. the work- Like, so you have a police officer, you have a person who's studying to become a mechanic and you have a bus driver. And those are your yeah. companions. That's awesome. No, it's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the dynamic, the strain dynamic between um, uh, Graham and grandson. Um, right whose name escapes me right now. Um, I am not excited about that. Uh, is Hopefully it's just not overplayed. If it's not overplayed, it'll be good. It'll be interesting. Yeah. If they're just going to be sniping at each other immediately because of, you know, the have the recent loss and trauma and all these different things, uh, which would be very understandable and appropriate considering what they've been through, <laughs> uh, that's going to get tiresome for me. Uh, I really like Yes. I, I think there's a lot of potential with that character. And uh, I look forward to her when the TARDIS does show back up, being like, I'm a cop in a police box. I Like, I can't yeah. have waited for that to be how a, a police officer ends up as a companion for always. Like, they go, what? There's actually a police box. Well, I, I need to make in a call. When the first pictures of Amy and her, like, strippergram police officer thing, I was like, oh, they're going to do it. And then, of course, they didn't. <laughs> but, um, so I look forward to that. But yeah, like we said earlier, this is sort of a bit of a callback to some of the other eras of the show. The, um, like, Tegan just tried, who got kidnapped in the TARDIS accidentally. Um, and then it was just like, I was trying to get on a flight to become a, to become a stewardess at the time, flight attendant. I just need to get to Heathrow. Get me to Heathrow. And then, like, seasons later, still not at Heathrow. Because the doctor didn't have control of the TARDIS guidance at that time. Uh, guidance systems. Um, so I, I think that could be a lot of fun. And ending on these cliffhangers like i would be so here for a season where each episode ends on a cliffhanger as they try to get to the tardis and the end of the season is them finally getting back to earth and then maybe one or two of them leaves and the other and one or two of them stays um yeah and like you said the generational thing is also a real strength when they we've had that a bit with wilf and with some of the other uh, older companions it's always a strength for the show to play those those age dynamics and this experience differences so uh differentials so yeah i i'm i am on board uh tooth alien with his helmet on looks stupid with his helmet off i thought was pretty cool and um there was the right kind of comedy and enough comedy that i thought it it worked and as long as they don't just have lots of unnecessary killing people i guess just for funsies i think i'm gonna be down with the season so i'm looking forward to what comes next any final thoughts you gonna be watching week to week or are you gonna kind of wait and no 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 i'll be week to week i'll be week to week Okay, cool. Well, I look forward to your thoughts. And listeners, I look forward to your thoughts. Reach out with any questions you have or, or, or thoughts on the current, like, new 
feel and look and writing for Doctor Who. And uh, of course, Jodie Whittaker and the rest of the companions. And we will have more on that as the season develops. But uh, a few shout outs here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us uh, a leave us a comment and let us know what you thought about the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook, start up a conversation there. You can rate or review us in Stitcher or in iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And of course, we're both up on Twitter. I'm at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. And thank you, Noel, for a lovely discussion and for your patience when I, listeners, I overslept by like half an hour and Noel was just like, hello. Um, so thank you, Noel. You're the best. <laughs> Thank you, Kate. You're the best, too. You're We're both the best! Yay, go team! Uh, listeners, uh, we'll be back next week in another episode of The Televerse. 